0: I've been thinking for a couple of weeks now about today and about the fact that it's a good opportunity for us to think about some things specifically as we have parent dedication. And I I recognize the fact that some of us are empty nesters. Some of us are single adults. Some of us are married couples who haven't yet had children or maybe have been married a long time and have never had children. Uh, Some of us are widows or widowers. We have a variety. We come from a variety of places, but we all live in the same world. Uh, we we live in a world where it is increasingly difficult to have a good, strong, healthy family. I was thinking back when I was raising uh, when we raised our children in the panhandle of Florida in a small town, and there was only little league baseball in the in the spring. Then have fall ball and and all of the rest. And we live in a world where I'm not necessarily against these things, but it's it's like it's easy to be engaged and involved all year long, and you end up like on a treadmill, running here and there. And, And it's understandable, certain seasons, those things are unavoidable. And to a certain degree, living in the world that we live in, they're unavoidable. But what Satan wants to do is to accentuate what is already a, a strenuous and difficult situation, raising children. Uh, I'm glad that we didn't have video games when we were raising our children. I'm sure we would have, we would have allowed them to have them. We would have tried to monitor them just like you do. Uh, but the explosion of video games, the Internet, all of those things isolate the family one from another. And then the, the technology advances. I mean, not only are, are, are the children distracted, the parents are distracted if they're not very, very careful. And then the blessing that the Internet is, when you, when you put into the, to the mix, is like a witch's brew, Internet pornography. I mean, we live in a world, these godly, I'm so glad that the parents that were up here are such godly, committed young couples, because it's going to take tenacity and it's going to take determination. It's going to take intentionality so that one one doesn't take their eye off the ball. Everybody takes their eye off the ball here and there, but it's easy to take your eye off the ball for long stretches of time. You've got to be very, very intentional and careful. And, And the world that they're raising their children in, it's the world that we all live in. As I said, we, we may be empty nesters, we may, we may be single adults, it, does, it doesn't make any difference. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is overwhelming us with an onslaught of technological temptation that is unprecedented in the history of the world, and it increases every single day. And you and I we're trying to live godly, we're trying to we're trying to keep our eye on the ball. We're trying to be disciples and disciplers and, and, and we're seeking to seeking to, to live for the glory of God, but he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's he's like a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He he is he's so diabolical And what makes him so diabolical is that he lives in a world of spiritual reality that that we don't see with our our eyes. Paul put it this way, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and forces of darkness. We live in a world where one of the most dangerous places for a baby to be is in its mother's womb we live in a world where it is becoming increasingly normal for people to think that euthanasia ending the life of an elderly person who maybe has has dementia or a debilitating disease or it's just too too expensive to keep them alive that's appropriate and normal and and that's the way that it should be what 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 was Becoming rather commonplace in, in Europe is now making its, its way into the United States of America. All of that to say, these families have got to be very vigilant, and yet so do we. Whether we're empty nesters, widow, widower, single adult. And it's easy to get overwhelmed. We might think, well, you know, I, I, should, just, I, should, just, I should just take a monastic approach to life. I'll just withdraw. I'll just take my family to the desert. We'll live in a in a hut in the wilderness. We'll we'll live in the in the forest. Uh, we'll follow the we'll follow the monks of the Middle Ages. We'll, we'll take that approach. We'll we'll put we'll put barbed wire around our around our yards. We'll put bars on the windows. Uh, we won't get to know our neighbors. We won't go across the street, and we certainly wouldn't venture around the world with the gospel. It's too hostile, too dangerous, too tumultuous. And so we, we, we take that kind of mindset in the Christian life. I, I think it, it causes us, if we're not careful, to focus on all the wrong things. In a, in a moment of time like this, we need to turn our attention away from the strategies of Satan and turn our focus clearly and directly on God. God. That's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to think about the God we serve, the God who knows us, the God who is with us, the God who loves us. See, we live with such fear, fear for our children, fear for our grandchildren. We forget the one that saved us sits on heaven's throne, the one that we pray to is God Almighty. And there, there is none his equal. All of the forces of hell together in their most most sustained capacity pale to insignificance when compared to the greatness, the glory, the grandeur, and the power of God. So I I want to turn our attention to Psalm 139 this morning. I want us to think about, in light of the parent dedication and in light of the world all of us live in, a need to redirect our attention back to God. We're going to look at the first two sections of Psalm 139, and I want us to notice two things about God this morning. The first one is this, the omniscience of God, that our great and glorious God is omniscient. That is, he knows everything. He knows everything about us. Let me read the first six verses. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Uh, Notice that this is a psalm of David for the choir director. Uh, This is a psalm that's intended to culminate in worship. It's a psalm to encourage us to worship the one true and living God, the God that genuinely actually exists, not the God of our figment, uh, some figment or imagination, the one true and living God. It's for the choir director. It's for Greg Bruton and the the worship choir. It's for Craig Schuff and the worship team and the musicians. It's for all of us congregationally who are a part of God's choir. This should cause us to worship Him. And notice what He says about God. Notice the verbs that He uses in the first three verses. When you read your Bible, read it closely, read it intentionally looking. For what God is saying about himself. Notice he he uses the verbs searches, knows, perceives, discerns, and is familiar with everything about us. That is, God's knowledge extends to our thoughts, our deeds, and our words. He knows our thoughts from afar. He perceives all our ways, including the activities of the day and the rest that we get at night. He knows our words before we even speak them, before we even articulate them, before we even say them. He knows what we're going to say. He knows us thoroughly, intimately, intricately. He knows everything about us. Now, when, when you get to verses 5 and 6, he's beginning to prepare us for the next segment. He's beginning to prepare us for the fact that God not only knows everything, he's omniscient, he is also omnipresent. That is, God is everywhere present. His presence pervades the universe and every universe. But in verse 5, he, he, he paints a picture where we are we are in a... We're, We're in a fortress and we're under assault. And yet he surrounds us. He is that fortress. He is our refuge. And rather living in fear and despair and discouragement as we look at this world, because of who God is and because what God has revealed about himself, we can live with a joy and with a confidence that God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows all of our sins and foibles, all of our failures and weaknesses, but he still loves us. He still, as we will see, remains with us. He is omnipresent. God's knowledge is amazing and unattainable for humans to acquire. So as we live in this world as believers, like a besieged city, under satanic and demonic assault, we don't live in fear and despair and discouragement. We live with a great deal of confidence and joy because we know the God that saves us is the God who sits on heaven's throne and he can't be outdone or undone by the devil. It's not like he's in a chess match with Satan. Satan. And like Satan is some kind of master chess player and that he's going to make a move and and God's going to have to sit back and and think, I I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't anticipating that. I never would have dreamed that. No, No, God knows exactly how things are going to transpire, exactly what he intends to do in any and every circumstance and situation. So as we raise our children, we don't raise them in fear. We raise them with a great deal of discernment, a great deal of intentionality, but with a great deal of confidence that as we pray for them and teach them and train them, that the one that we're praying to and the one that we're teaching them about is none other than the one true and living God. And so he wants us to understand that God is omniscient. Secondly, I want you to notice that God is omnipresent in verses seven through 12. That is to say that God is omnipresent is to say that we are never alone as God's children. He is always with us. Now God is everywhere present in his omnipresence, but he's with his people in a particularly real and manifest way. He's with us in a sense that we know he is with us because his word tells us that he is with us. So in our moments of joy, he is with us. In our moments of disappointment, he is with us. He is always with us. When our hearts are broken, he is with us. We know that because his word teaches us that. We may feel like we're alone, but our feelings don't inform us of what is true. Truth informs our feelings. Our feelings tell us in the moments of despair and brokenness and, 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 and heart, uh, heartache, you're absolutely alone. We may feel that way, but that doesn't make it true. What we feel isn't true. What God's word says is what's true. So we say to our feelings, feelings, you tell me I'm alone. That's a lie. It's not true. Feelings, you might make me feel I'm alone, but that's not true. God's word is true. God tells me he is with me. Follow along as I begin reading in verse 7 all the way through verse 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me, And the light around me will, I'm sorry, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. It's important for us to understand that he's not expressing his desire to escape from God. He knows to escape from God is impossible. What he's wanting to emphasize is that God is everywhere present. That wherever he goes, God is with him. Whatever he experiences, God is with him. So as he writes to the choir director, he's saying that's something to sing about. That's something to extol and to celebrate and to magnify the omnipresence of God that he is everywhere present there is no conceivable escape from God you ascend to heaven there he is you ascend to Sheol he is there if you rise on the wings of the dawn which is a a figure of speech communicating something in, in our mind like traveling at the speed of light you go from here to there by the speed of light by the time you get there you haven't left God behind. God is already there. No matter how fast you travel, no matter how far you go, God is there. He, he's, on the, he's on the wings of the dawn. There's nowhere God is not. This, uh, this last week, Jaylen and I had to make a, a quick trip to, to Florida. We needed to, to move her mom from assisted living into a memory, a memory care unit and and um, Jay and her sister could have done it I just, I just didn't feel like it I just could not allow her to do that without me and so we made this trip to uh, to Florida to move uh, to move her from uh, assisted living to to um, to memory care and and so we fly in on Monday night we're going to go in Tuesday she has absolutely no idea what we're going to do because she she she, she's living in somewhat of a flaw a fog now so deciding who's gonna who's gonna tell her and so Jaylen says well she she likes you best you 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 have to tell her and her sister for yeah she's you're her favorite and and so we sat down in her in her apartment said hey mom you know today we're gonna move you we're gonna we're gonna move you to a new apartment you know what you're not gonna have to ride the elevator anymore same building but you don't have to ride the elevator you're not going to have to walk these long hallways and, and try and find your way to the to the cafeteria and back from the and back from the from the cafeteria. Uh, you're going to you're going to be in a in a in a smaller room. It's going to be less less uh, less cluttered and it's going to be much easier. There's going to be a lot more things to do. How's, how's that sound to you? Well, I was I, Sometimes I'm not sure if she remembers my name or not. And and uh, and she says, Billy, that sounds that sounds great. I don't, they call me Billy, my wife, my mother-in-law, and my and uh, call me Billy. But uh, she said, Billy, that sounds great. It was, a, it was difficult. But you know, her mother, her mother has loved Jesus almost her entire life. And as we were in her room, we had, we had prayer together with her. Jesus, Jesus was with her. He, he had not abandoned her. He was with Jaylen and Jalen's sister as they, as they walked out that that uh, day. Now she's well cared for and and um, watched over, and and she's got uh, she's got family that's that's in and out all the time. But God never leaves us; He is always with us. You see. In this world that we live in, where we are prone to taking our eye off the ball, whether it's raising children, monitoring our use of the internet, spending too much time on Facebook and social media, giving less attention to the spiritual lives than than maybe we should, God knows us, and he loves us, and he's with us. And what that should do, it should invigorate us to love him, to worship him, and to serve him. In fact, let me give you just a few few thoughts that came to my mind this week as I I thought about these verses, some final final considerations for you. Uh, The first one is this. God does not give himself away to the casual comer and goer. Rather, his eyes search to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our shortcomings. Uh, But he's calling us to be disciples, to follow him faithfully, to follow him like a deer pants for the water brooks. He doesn't, he doesn't give himself away to the casual comer and goer. He's looking for the serious disciple who believes that what the Bible says about him is true and he or she will follow him wherever he leads, wherever he goes. Maybe to the remotest part of the earth. Uh, maybe to a part of the world to be a missionary that has never heard the gospel, never heard the name of Jesus, doesn't have the Bible translated in their language and God calls you there you don't have to be afraid that you're there alone God is there he's there with you in you and will use you I want you to think secondly with me that we will never know all there is to know about God in this life but we should make him the object of intentional inquiry, if I can put it that way. That is, all the books we read on theology, all of the Bible that we study, all of the theological and philosophical reflection that we give will advance us in our knowledge of God if it's rooted and grounded in the word of God, but we'll never know all there is to know about God. We'll never capture all of it. Not in this life or I think, even in the life to come. We're not going to be omniscient in the life to come. When the new heaven and the new earth comes, we will not be omniscient. Only God is omniscient. I think that maybe one of the glories of heaven, we will be discovering ever more fully and ever more wonderfully who God is genuinely and truly is all throughout the ages we'll discover more and more and more about the glory and the splendor of of God's person The, the third thing I would like to say is that God knows you he knows the good, the bad and the ugly and he knows the same about me and if you're in Christ Jesus he loves you he knew all about you when he saved you. And there wasn't much about you or me that was that appealing to God when he saved us. From the perspective that we could do anything that would, that, would, that would enhance who God is. He loved us and he saved us. And as we're being conformed into his image, he continues to love us. And so the world may say, God doesn't love you. God isn't with you. God doesn't know you. He doesn't know where you live. He doesn't know the agony you go through. He doesn't know the pain and the heartache that you're experiencing. No, he knows you. He loves you. He created you. He knits you together while yet in your mother's womb. He, he knows when we fall short and he knows when we do well. He loves us. His love is unconditional. He doesn't love us more when we do right and less when we do wrong in Christ Jesus he loves us his love is unconditional now the way we experience that love the way that we experience it is different he demonstrates his love to us when we disobey by disciplining us that's no less the love of God than when he than when he blesses us when we're walking in obedience it's just a different expression of God's love he loves you Your feelings say that you're alone and unloved. Tell your feelings, you're a liar. The Bible says, God is with me and God loves me. He could not love you any more than he currently, presently does. If you're in Christ Jesus, you may be suffering. You may be disappointed. You may be heartbroken. You may have a relationship that went awry. You may have a job that you didn't get. You may have gotten a a diagnosis from a physician that you are completely unprepared for. God loves you. He is with you. Your emotions don't tell you what is true. God's word tells you what is true. Don't let your emotions control you. Take truth and allow truth to guide you. God knows you. God loves you. You don't suffer alone. He uses all of our sufferings to conform us into this image of His Son. He doesn't waste any of them, He uses it for our good and His glory. But the reality is, if you don't know Jesus, you do suffer alone. God doesn't love the unbeliever the same way that He loves the believer. As you, I'm a grandpa. You see me with my, with my grandchildren. People think I'm over the top. My wife tells me that's the same way that he was with our children, and, and that's the way, that, the way that you are too. All of these little ones up here, I, I love these little ones, but I don't know them like I know my, my, my own children and my grandchildren. See, God loves the world, But there's a peculiar, a particular, a specific love for his children. If you're suffering and you don't know God through Christ, when you cry out in the agony of your room, you cry out alone. God isn't coming to answer that prayer. Help me. No, God's listening for the prayer, save me. Redeem me. Adopt me, wash me in the blood of your son. That's what he, that's the prayer that he responds to. That's the prayer that he hears. And so that's the God that that we navigate this world with. That's the, the God that helps us as we raise our children. That's the God that uses us on the job and in the neighborhood. That's the God who's with us, whether we're single or married, widower or a widower. Have children or don't have children. We serve the God of the Bible. You may very well be here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm one of those that are suffering alone. I, I don't know God. I've not been adopted into his family. I've been praying and my prayers are going up into the, up, into the, up into the ceiling, but they're not reaching the throne of heaven. Come to Christ. Believe in Christ. Trust in Christ. Call out to God to save you. Not from your circumstances, but from yourself, your sin, your separation from him. We're going to sing. We're going to stand. We're going to sing in just a moment. And maybe it will be that you would come and speak to one of our staff members about that. And we'd love to talk with you about about your salvation. We'll introduce you to someone, talk with you privately and confidentially. Maybe you're looking for church membership. We'd love to have you come. Allow us to introduce you to someone to talk with you about it. Maybe you're looking for a church that, hey, I want to be a part of a church family. I'm looking for a place that's intentional about building community, building relationships like what I've seen here this morning, what's going to happen on Wednesday nights and particularly this summer on Sunday nights. We, we would love to talk with you about, about what it means to be a member here at Knife and Church. I'm going to ask you if you would stand and, and Caleb's going to come and after I say amen, Caleb's going to sing and we're all, we're all going to, to sing to that to that God that we've, been, that we've been talking about here in Psalm 139. There'll be staff guys here at the front. You come down if we can help you. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you this morning that this passage helps, helps us understand just a little bit better who you are. And it reminds us of how much we need you and how much you love us. So in these final moments, we pray in Jesus' name that your, your spirit would work among us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.